Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring our regular guest, two-time World Series champion, former Giants reliever, George Contos. Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy, so he's going to run things his way. And I'm sure with Farhan, they've had their discussions on what the best course of action is for the ball club. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Keynes Tire in San Rafael, the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, happy opening day, everybody. Home opener, anyway, for the San Francisco Giants. And joining us now, George Contos, who's going to be our regular guest this season, former Giants reliever, owner of two World Series rings. And, George, opening day uh, in general is very special, but how about a home opener, especially when you're welcoming back fans again? Uh, 8,900 is what they're saying the Giants will have, 22% of the ballpark will uh, be filled up after having zero fans last year. That's got to be pretty exciting for the Giants players. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be, there's going to be some more adrenaline, some more excitement in the stands. Um, You know, just thinking back to my opening days at uh, formerly AT&T Park uh, when we had our Giants opening days, they're they're super special. And, and, you know, it's always 45,000 fans screaming. Everyone's excited. So, um, I think in comparison to last year, guys are going to be super, super happy and relieved to have fans in the stands and be playing in front of people again. Uh, but nothing really compares to those those normal traditional opening days where, where the uh, fans are screaming, uh, you have the, the big rollout of the flag and the flyover, and, and uh, it's a special day. So hopefully they can enjoy it and take it all in. I mean, I think it's great that the fans are back, and it feels a lot safer now. A lot of people are getting their vaccinations and everything. But what did you think about the Texas Rangers having a, a packed house at this point? It seemed a little premature to me. I mean, I don't know if I would call it irresponsible, but a, a little scary to see an entire stadium filled with fans in Texas uh, recently. What did you think? Well, you know, I think uh, so, some of those decisions, I think, are way above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think if, if, the, if the numbers uh, in Texas show that uh, they're continue, continuing to drop, and, uh, you know, I, I hope that people in general will, will try and make the best decisions uh, given the information that they have at hand. So, uh, you know, if they feel that, uh, that there's, no, there's not really a big risk of, of having spikes or anything like that, I think that they should be able to do what they think is safe. Yeah, and just, you know, as long as people wear their mask as much as they can when they're not eating and stuff, I think we'll be okay there. Uh, Johnny Cueto on the mound for the Giants. What kind of a season are you expecting from Johnny? You know, he's getting up there in years, but he still knows how to pitch. He could still go pretty deep into a game when they let him. Absolutely. Johnny's one of those guys that you never have to worry about what you're going to get from him, um, unless, knock on wood, he's injured or something like that. But he, like you mentioned, he's, he's a veteran guy. He's been in the, in the league for a very long time. He's been in every situation that you could possibly put him in uh, from an opening day starter to pitching in the World Series. So um, he's very comfortable pitching in those situations. Like you said, he's a crafty guy. He's got the, 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 um, you know, the Cueto shimmies and the stutter steps and all the messing with the timing. And, and he's a competitor. When he takes the mound, he's going out there and he's trying to beat the other team because he, he doesn't want to be embarrassed or, or get the loss or, or have any of those types of, uh, of sentiments. So he's going to go out there, he's going to give everything they have, and I expect uh, the fact that it's a contract year for him, not that it's going to make him you know, pitch any harder or, any, uh, or give any more effort than he would on any other year or any other start, but I, I expect him to go out there and have something to prove, especially in the contract year and given his age and, and where he's at in his career. 
You know, it's a lot different now in a contract year than it used to be for a number of reasons. I mean, for one thing, I don't think wins are valued as much as they were. I mean, even when you look at a Cy Young race, generally, you know, wins aren't looked at the same way. And if you're talking about a contract and you've got managers pulling pitchers out of the game where they don't get a chance to get the win a lot of times, I don't know how you can judge that in a contract year. How are these pitchers, do you think, reacting to it? I mean, a lot of the pitchers around baseball have to get used to that, including the Giants. I mean, Gabe Kapler is like a lot of managers where he's not worried about a pitcher getting a win. He may pull a pitcher out of the game before he gets those five innings and, and get a chance for a win. Or if it's a tie game, pull him out, you know, just because he's getting close on a pitch count. Yeah, you know, Joe, I think we, we we're starting to see the last couple of years. The game is really starting to change and shift a little bit. Um, I think for those for those older school pitchers, the guys that we're talking about, uh, the guys who have been around for a long time, um, you know, they, they still care. They still want those wins. They want to be out there in the, in the sixth, seventh and eighth inning still. Uh, some of the younger guys, I think you're starting to get, you know, groomed in the minor leagues to, to maybe not make those a hundred, 110 pitch pitch counts and maybe not get an opportunity to get a win. But I, w- I, I would venture to bet that if, if you ask a lot of those guys who have maybe, four or five years of service time and, and above who are still playing at a high level. They, they want those wins. They want to be out there because you take pride in going out there and giving your team a chance to win the game. And, and when you get the, the win, the, the team gets to win, obviously, which is most important. But for you, for yourself, it's that sense of accomplishment. Like I went out there and I did my job that day. We got the win. I got the win. Um, you know, I know, I know stats, uh, some stats are being looked at more than others nowadays, but, but for the individual uh, starting pitcher, I think wins are still an important, uh, you know, judge for them to look back and reflect on how they did. That being said, how would you handle that, George? I mean, last year we saw it with Kevin Gosman, where I mean he was pretty perturbed when he was taken out of a game early, and uh, you know, Gabe Kapler, is, you know, he's the manager. You got to listen to what he says. But I would think that could cause a little friction throughout a season if you're not reacting well when you're taken out. But again, there's that competitive spirit that you have. Absolutely. And I think Kevin Gossman's a great example of some of those veteran guys that I was talking about. And, you know, Kevin's a competitor. He wants the ball. He wants to stay out there. And, and you know, he just the other day he was in his mid-90s, upper 90s in pitches throwing 97, 98 miles an hour. So, you know, if I'm the manager, and this is a theoretical, obviously, but I'm going to watch and I'm going to see where his pitches are, are going. If he's missing high in the zone consistently, which tells me that his legs are starting to get a little bit tired. There might not be the same crispness on his pitches, but my my view is every game should be viewed as an individual variable. Um, you know, I think that you have to watch the game and you have to see how the flow of the game is going and you have to see the contact and how hitters are reacting to the, the pitcher's um, offerings that he's throwing. And if the guy's cruising, the numbers in the third time of the order don't really mean much to me. Uh, you obviously watch the pitch count and you, and you see kind of what's happening and what guys are doing. But um, if the guy's out there cruising and he's at, you know, 90, 90 pitches and the third time to the lineups up. That doesn't necessarily, for me, mean I have to get the bullpen going. But, you know, like we said, the numbers, the numbers are the numbers. They are that way because they have those tendencies and that's what they're showing. But I still think that every individual game should be looked at as an individual game. Boy, thank you very much. That's exactly how I would put that. And I mean, that's basically the way Bruce Bochy managed it. And we've talked about it before that, you know, Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy, but still you want to see a little bit of leeway. We even talk about that on the Warriors podcast, you know, Steph Curry coming back in the game at an exact moment in the fourth quarter, where if you have a chance to win the game, maybe you bring him in a little bit earlier. I think it's, it could be like that in all sports. You can't just go by numbers all the time. 
Yeah, no, I, I think I think a great example of what we saw was Blake Snell last year in the World Series in Game Six against the Dodgers. I mean, uh, he was facing Mookie uh, Seager and I want to say Bellinger at the top of the lineup, and and in that game they had all been 0 for six with six strikeouts, mm-hmm. and Kevin Cash pulled them out. And I think Mookie Betts said right as as they were interviewing them after the Dodgers had won the game. You know, we saw Nick Anderson running in from the bullpen, and, and we felt like we had new life. We had new momentum. Um, and that's one of those things that, that statistics can't measure is momentum and how, how the confidence and energy shifts between one dugout to the other. And that's a real thing that you, that you experience when you're out, when you're out there on, on the ball field. And, um, you know, I, 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 I feel bad for Blake Snell, you know, and the Rays organization, really, because not only was – Blake Snell kind of robbed of doing something just incredible in the World Series, but you know that that potentially cost them the chance at Game Seven and the chance of winning a World Series. So, you know, like I said, I think that uh, the flow of the game and paying attention is very, very important. And I think that we've gotten maybe a little bit away from it in today's statistical era. Speaking of Blake Snell and the Padres, and then the Dodgers, as you mentioned, uh, you know they upgraded their rotations coming into this season, and you know it really looked like no contest when you start thinking about that, and you're trying to compete in the National League West. But so far, and this is a small sample size, the Giants' rotation has a 2.60 ERA through the first six games, anyway, and every start has lasted at least five innings. Which you know we just got on that topic. So so far, things are looking pretty good for the Giants' rotation. What do you think the future is? there i think that this team and i've said it before in a couple uh you know interviews that i've done that the starting rotation i think is really what's going to drive this team you have guys who are who are seasoned who have been there outside of logan webb who i'm a, I'm, a, I'm personally a fan of i like his demeanor i like his repertoire i think he's he learned a lot last year and at least in spring training i know his first start was was a little bit dicey but um we can cut him some slack on that one being his you know his first uh break with the team um start like that but um I think that they're gonna. They have guys who have been there, though. They're they're veteran guys who have been in those situations, and they're the guys who are gonna take the reins and be like, "Let's go. We're moving full steam ahead." And I think the offense is gonna follow suit. And I think if the bullpen can can come in and, and hold some of these leads that I'm expecting the Giants to have, I think they could come out and, and uh, snake bite some people and surprise some people. Well, you can't put too much stock in one game, but that opener definitely didn't give uh, people a lot of confidence in the bullpen because you know things didn't go well, a lot of walks, and it was, it was pretty much a disaster. But uh, so the short memory, I would think, came into play for some of those guys. And do you see potential for the bullpen to be you know a lot better than it's been so far? Yeah, you know, just just to kind of give you a little story about that short memory. What what I what I loved about Boach was if you had a, a tough outing as a bullpen guy, he wanted to find a spot the very next day to try and get you back in that game to, to, to get you right back on the horse so you could rectify those bad thoughts. Because when you have a bad outing, whether it's you get hit around a little bit or you, you lose command and walk some of those guys, mentally that if, if you let that sit and simmer for too long, you know, baseball, got, baseball players and athletes in general – you know, we, we are very mentally strong, I think, as a whole, but th- there are some of those times where if you sit on, on a negative outing or a bad game for too long, it can start getting you uh, affected a little bit in, in how you move forward. And I think, to, to Boach's credit, one thing he did really well was he always tried to find an opportunity, even if it wasn't in the normal spot where you would come in and pitch, he'd always try and find, if the game uh, allowed for it, a spot to bring you in, even for a hitter, to get you back on the horse, to get your confidence back up, 
because he knew that all seven or eight guys in that bullpen were important and he needed all them firing on all cylinders uh, if we were going to have a chance to compete and, and continue to do well, which, knock on wood, we did for all those years. Um, but I think, it's, I think that's just a great strategy for a manager to do. If a guy struggles, if you have a, a couple walks and you're thinking about it, get right there back on the horse because right when you get back in that game and, the, and that extra 10% adrenaline competitiveness kicks in, then it's just instincts and going back and doing what you've done a thousand times. Um, so that's, I think, one of the one of the strengths of getting guys back back on the on the horse is getting them out there again as soon as possible, maybe in a less stressful situation to get their confidence back up, get a put a zero up, get a strikeout, whatever it may be. Well, that's such an important part of managing too, uh, showing confidence in your players. Uh, not a lot of confidence right now in the offense. If you went by just statistics, looking at a team hitting around 200 and only scoring seven runs in the three games against San Diego, but the Giants won two of those games. And uh, you know, early in the season, I think George people overrate a lot of the numbers. I mean, you look at the Brandons right now being three for 31. It's a long season, and it just seems like in the first few weeks or month, people jump on numbers a little bit too much there. Uh, what are your thoughts about the lineup? Because last year the Giants did hit well, and there are a lot of guys in there. Uh, there's a lot of depth, I think, where you can you know, definitely have some platoons and uh, have a lot of guys in there who have a proven track record. Yeah, you know, first of all, you know, the, you mentioned the Brandon three for 30 or three for 31, whatever that stat was. I think, I think we got to cut Brandon Belt a little bit of slack. He missed a lot of spring training, so he's right. still kind of getting his feet back under him. Um, you know, I watched uh, the majority of all the games before it got a little late here in Chicago and I fell asleep. But, you know, I like the swings that Brandon Crawford was, was putting on, on the ball. And sometimes, you know, you're hitting the ball all right and, you know, it doesn't fall. And that home run swing that he put on in San Diego was just one of those quick hands, get the hands through the barrel of the ball. Um, I think these guys are going to be just fine. I mean, they've been there a, a lot of times before. They have thousands and thousands of at-bats and, and you know, they're, they're veteran guys. So they've been there and they've done that and they're still hungry. And, you know, I think what we're going to start seeing is, you know, Buster Posey has come back and he's shown flashes of the old Buster Posey with a couple homers. And I'd love, I'd love to see some of the guys not just swing for the fences every pitch. You know, I know we hit a bunch of homers in the first six games, but going back to Oracle Park now, I know the ball flies a little bit better than it did in the past, but that's still a really difficult place to just consistently bomb the ball out of the yard. Yeah, I mean, the Giants have 11 homers so far. That's a lot in six games, but they only have 13 runs on those homers, so those aren't really accounting for that much. And I agree with you. I mean, when I read a story about Dubone, by the way, that's how you pronounce it now, Mauricio right. Dubone, uh, swinging for the fences pretty much every time. I mean, I get it that he wants to get more into hitters' counts and you know look for a pitch to drive and all that, but a guy like him I don't think should be swinging for the fences all the time. I mean, he's not that big. He's, he's not a tiny guy, but he's not that big. I I think he should be trying to hit it in the gaps. I don't know. What do you think? You know, I think what, what players have to do, and, and I think this is in general for players, for pitchers, you know, I, I was not a guy who threw 98. And no matter how many times I wanted to go out there and throw fastballs at 98 miles an hour, I knew that I was going to throw the ball 91 to 93 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there are guys who are home run hitters and there are guys who are not. And I think what people have to do is just give an honest take on what type of hitter uh, they're going to be. Um, you know, I think that Dubone, if he thinks he's a home run hitter, wants to swing for the fences. I, I hope he hits a lot of home runs. Um, I think, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see as time goes on if that approach is going to work. But I've always been, and I think if you ask guys like Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt and Buster Posey what their approaches are, I think they're trying to hit the ball hard in gaps. And from what I've heard thousands and thousands of times, 
uh, from these guys is if you hit the ball hard enough, it'll carry out of the ballpark. But when you're trying to hit homers and trying to hit the launch angle, I think it just opens up a lot more of the strikeouts and non-competitive at-bats. We'll continue the conversation with former Giants reliever George Contos right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Kane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Kane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Kane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give him a call at 415-453. 2942. That's 415 453 2942 for Kane's Tire. A couple things on Posey since you mentioned him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he comes up first game home run, hits another one, and maybe that was part of it. He's not trying to hit home runs. And I wondered, you know, a couple of years ago if he was pressing a little. He wasn't the same Buster Posey. He wasn't 100% healthy. He's coming back from the hip. Seems like he's 100% healthy now. What are your thoughts on just the way he's approaching it and the fact that he was batting, you know, number seven in the order and then number six, which is not where Posey has batted in his career. And, you know, maybe how he handled that mentally or if he even cares about that. So what, what, I, what I can say is I totally agree with you on, on you know, Buster was playing on, on, a, on a bum leg for a little while, and I think it takes some, some time and reps and confidence to get back to swinging the way he swung with a healthy hip. Um, you know, he took last year off, obviously, for, for the sake of his family, which was 100% the right thing to do, and he got a, a, whole, a whole year off of his legs, and he looks rejuvenated. But I'll tell you one thing about Buster is Buster's a competitive, a competitive guy. He's, he goes out there, and, and uh, he's never going to be – vocal about you know why am i hitting six why am i hitting seven he's a team player he wants the team to win but i i'll I'll bet you he takes it a little bit personally and he goes all right i'm going to show you guys that i don't i don't belong hitting six and seven and i think you're going to see a guy who can turn it on and have and have a good year and i think by the end of the year he'll be batting i think where where he should be in that lineup you know my my dad always told me water always trying finds its true level (laughs) and i i personally don't think that buster posey's a seven hitter (laughs) <laughs> I agree. Yeah, he'll be somewhere up in the lineup, uh, you know, but maybe fifth, maybe third. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, that was always the case. Uh, you know, speaking of Posey, he brings so much to the table defensively as a catcher with everything that he does. And every time I see a pitcher looking at one of those index cards for a scouting report on a hitter, I think of Posey because I think you don't need that card. If you have Posey as your catcher, he's studied so much. He knows all the tendencies of the hitters. Why do you need that card? It kind of kind of drives me crazy. I'm old school, George. What do you think when you see pitchers looking at the index card? Yeah, you know, Joe, like I said, the game has changed a little bit since since even when I played. And, you know, my <laughs> last year playing was uh, 2019. My last year with the Giants was 17. And like you said, when I – I, Buster has probably caught me. I made 350 appearances as a major league reliever, and I bet you Buster caught me over 200 of them. <laughs> and I would always, whenever whenever a new team would come into town, my routine was I never watched right-handed batting uh, batters of the opposing team's videos because I always pitched to my strengths. My strengths were throwing cutters and sliders, showing a two-seam or a four-seam inside, but I would get guys out away with breaking balls. That's that was my strength. I knew what my strength was. I would only watch uh, left-handed hitters that I thought I might face in in bigger situations. Um, you know, earlier in the in my career, it was like from Rockies, for example, it was like Cargo and uh, um, you know uh, 
the center Helton, pro- yeah. Oh, oh yeah, it was it was Helton and it was uh, uh, Charlie Blackman, just Charlie guys Blackman, like that yeah. who I knew I would maybe face um, in bigger situations. Um, you know, fun fact actually, I was actually the last giant pitcher to ever strike Todd Helton out. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would always watch uh, the video of the lefties that I might be facing because those were the guys that I would have to really make sure I knew I was executing pitches with a purpose. Buster or whoever the catcher was, you have your meeting with the starting pitcher that day. And, you know, as a, as a reliever, you're watching the game uh, pretty intently, I'd say probably from the third or fourth inning on. The first couple innings, you're kind of getting settled into the game. But then you start paying attention, you start watching. But Buster Posey watches the game and is participating in every pitch of the game from pitch one. So he has a great full, uh, feel of what, what has happened in other at-bats, what guys have seen, how they've reacted to every pitch. So by the time I got in the game and I was facing those guys, I know what my scouting report was from the video, and I have a feel of what I want to do. Buster is also going off of what's happened earlier in the game, how they've set the guy up. So, you know, with these cards, I think it's it's a lot more thought in my brain. It's like pulling out the card. It's looking at it. Maybe it could just be where the defense is going to be. That's what they're looking at on those cards yeah. when this guy comes up. Who knows what's on those cards because I haven't seen them. I haven't used them. But, <laughs> you know, as far as, as far as pitch selection and stuff like that, um, I had – the utmost trust in what Buster was, uh, what fingers he was putting down or Hector Sanchez or Eli Whiteside or whoever it was, unless I was adamant about throwing a different pitch when I would just shake and I'd get the pitch that I wanted and I throw it. And if I was shaking, it was usually to a slider. So it was pretty easy to, to put those fingers down. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get to the bottom of that card thing and see what's actually on those things. But, I mean, it makes me think of a guy like Greg Maddox. I, I once had the opportunity to sit next to him in the dugout before a game. I, I just happened to be sitting there, and he's talking about every hitter that came up in batting practice and watching every little thing about their stance. And it made me think that, you know, hey, the mental preparation is so important. And, you know, just having a memory of this stuff, like you said, you have the video. I mean, use your brain sometimes, right? I mean, you just got to remember stuff and, and be able to implement it. Yeah, you're actually you're absolutely right. And, and just to, to echo what you said there, I mean, a lot of pitchers don't do what you just said that you witnessed Greg Maddox doing. A lot of pitchers just get up there and, and you, know, you fire away and you, you see how it goes. Uh but, you know, Mariano Rivera did the same thing. My, when I first got called up to the Yankees in 2011, we were sitting there talking during the game one time, and he was telling me how he looks at, at how hitters move and how their feet, what their feet do and whether they're leaning over the plate. And I started picking up stuff, you know, like Nolan Arenado, for example, the guy who uh, I can't even tell you what I did against him in, in my career. I, I, I think I only gave up a hit or two to him. I think a double and a single, uh, both of them in Colorado, but, Nolan always had, he had antsy feet and he would, he would, he would uh, inch closer to the plate as the ball was coming in. So to me, that was showing fastballs in because if he gets to them being that close to the plate, he'll pull it unless you make a mistake and then you get him out of way. That was, that was the way that I would attack Nolan just by watching kind of how he, and if you make a mistake, you know, he was going to hit it and he was going to hit it hard. And even if you made a good pitch, sometimes he was such a good, he is such a good hitter that he'd hit it anyways. But just watching some of the, the nuances that guys have in the box and, and stuff, you can really learn a lot. 
Yeah, we do not miss him being with the Rockies here for the home opener uh, and not being in the division anymore now that he's with the Cardinals. All right, last thing before we finish up, Trevor Bauer, you know, he's always a lightning rod for uh, everything that's going on in social media and around baseball. And a couple of years ago, or I think it was three years ago, uh, he was complaining about Astros pitchers, you know, having better spin rates and maybe they were doctoring the baseball. But now he's getting accused of it during a game against the A's. He's pitching for the Dodgers. Uh, apparently he threw some balls that uh, were sticky and had visible markings on them. At least that was according to a report in The Athletic. Uh, Major League Baseball sources confirming that issue, and Bauer is denying that and saying it's ridiculous that you know that he was checked and, or being singled out because a lot of balls are taken out of the game. What do you think about all this? I mean, it's never really been policed, but Major League Baseball is trying to you know at least look into this. They're, they're not making a rule, but they're looking into it. Yeah, you know, if, if 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 that is true, and 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 you know, Bauer uh, did doctor up the balls. I'd say it's it's a, a bit a bit hypocritical for him to cause a ruckus a couple years ago and then do it now. But um, you know, I think that if you were to ask hitters what what they think on pitchers using substances, I would venture to guess that the majority of pitchers pro, uh, hitters would probably say, look, with guys throwing this hard nowadays with the balls being a little bit slicker, the seams being a little bit smaller uh, or lower. You know, I think that it, within reason, some, some most hitters would want these pitchers to have control of where a hundred mile an hour fastball is going. <laughs> right. I may be wrong when I say that. <laughs> no, I um, think from, you're right. From the hitters, from the hitters that I've spoken to a lot over the years, a lot of them say they'll deal with a little bit extra tight spin for a pitcher to have, control and an idea of where that 97 to 100 is going because I've never been hit by it but a lot of my friends and former teammates have and they tell me it does not feel very good (laughs) um so I'd have to imagine that uh you know they they get to use pine tar for their bats and and you know rosin doesn't really do anything I think within reason some substance uh whatever it is to give you a little bit better grip on these balls that are, that feel like cue balls to be honest with how much they're rubbed up and all the excess dust and and dirt that they have on them now they, unless you unless you sweat a lot and really can get some of that rosin to stick a little bit you know the, the balls are slippery they are so i i think that uh, you know it, they should just make within reason some sticky stuff allowed for everybody and kind of move on from from policing uh, ticky-tack little things like that. Yeah, I remember last year when uh, Sean Anderson was wild and there was a big controversy about, you know, this guy can't throw strikes. What's he doing in the major leagues? You know, yeah, it gets scary as a hitter when you got a guy throwing that hard and he doesn't know where it's going, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, and they come in, there's adrenaline pumping. You're 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 in the middle of your, you know, combat, so to speak, of your profession, of your inning. And you're right in there. You're, you're trying as hard as you can to get the guy out or to get a hit. And when you let one fly, sometimes they just come out a little bit early. And a little bit early is a centimeter or two. And that's, that's two feet at home plate because of how hard and, and, and the, uh, you know, how much torque you're putting and how, how big of a uh, dispersion it is once it gets there. So, I think that if you asked everybody, people would be very fine with uh, with a little bit of sticky. Obviously, nothing crazy, but uh, that that's just my take. All right, and finally, uh, you're going to be on NBC Sports Bay Area again, second season, doing this as an analyst in the studio for the pregame and postgame shows. First of all, tell us how much are you enjoying that, and give us an idea of when you're going to be on so everybody can make sure that they're 100% uh, watching when you're on uh, for the first time this season. 
Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to my second season doing it. Last year was was a lot of fun, even though it was remote. Um, I think I learned a lot having that be my first season. I was, you know, broadcasting the pre and post games here from my my master bedroom uh, in my condo and uh, <laughs> talking into a, a green a green light in my in my <laughs> Apple computer, and and then it was it happened to be on TV, which was which is crazy to think about. But um, last year was was a little one dimensional because of the restrictions of not being in person. Obviously, um, whoever I was I was doing the show with, whether it was. Um, you know, Kelly Johnson or Greg Papa, they would ask me a question. I would regurgitate an answer. Um, and then we would move on. And it was very one dimensional. So the fact that this year that it's going to be in studio um, and we'll be able to have debates and dialogues back and forth. I'm very, very excited for it. Uh, my first game is April 16th. I'm covering the uh, I believe it's the Phillies and the Pirates series. And then my second series will be uh, May 10th or May 13th to the 20th. So those are my first two two. uh uh, sets of games. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you're doing a fantastic job on that, and it's uh, outstanding that you're going to be able to come back to San Francisco for that. And I really appreciate you joining us here on the podcast this year as a regular guest. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this team and see what they can do, and uh, your insights are going to be uh, wonderful to hear throughout the season. Thanks so much, George. Thanks a lot, Joe. Look forward to next time. That's former Giants relief pitcher George Contos. Join us again next week for another edition of Inside China Basin. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.